Well, Palm Sunday was always one of my favorites as a, as a child. Uh, do we have any actual palm leaves today? No palm leaves today. That was my favorite part, making messes with, with palm leaves, waving them around, getting my uh, kid activity, being able to work out some, some energy. But I guess we don't have that advantage today. But as I think about the, the event that we celebrate, Palm Sunday, in the triumphal entry, I'm reminded of the continuity of Scripture, and I'm reminded of the fact that the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit primarily and written through people. And the message of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is a message about God. And so we shouldn't be surprised this morning when, when we come to, to Palm Sunday and we, we, we hear this passage read for us from Luke chapter 19 and we begin to, to recognize the, the correlation to our passage into our themes as we've been walking through Luke chapter 4 resonate and find almost perfect alignment in continuity together. Because the truth is this, that what is celebrated on this day as Palm Sunday, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and the crowds crying Hosanna and leading in this throng into Jerusalem, this presentation of the king, this electric moment where the the city is experiencing enthusiasm and encouragement and wonder at the king who has come, this son of David, And then five days later, this son whom they have celebrated is now crucified because of the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, as we've been looking in the presentation of himself as Messiah to this group of friends and family the hometown prophet has come home to Nazareth in what was met initially by great enthusiasm. Just five verses later, there is a desire to cast him out of their midst and throw him off the cliff and to kill him. And every one of us in this room are met with the same kind of invitation The Messiah, the truth, has been proclaimed. The word of God has come to us through the scriptures. And each of us, as having been presented the king, the Messiah, the deliverer, the only savior, will be faced with the same decision. Will we accept the king? Will you accept, as from our passage today, Jesus will close out his mission statement to say, to proclaim the Lord's favor, the year of the Lord's favor. That same favor is presented to us through the Son, Jesus Christ, the only one who can meet your deepest needs, can overcome your sin problem, because Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. And Good Friday we'll celebrate that work of Jesus on the cross, paying the price for sin on the cross, and then next Sunday, resurrection power, new life, 
And by the way, I'm excited. I think we have maybe as many as 10 people getting baptized to illustrate this confession of faith of the work of God in their lives, kids and adults, and I would encourage you to be part of that next week as we get to see a living illustration of the death and burial and resurrection of Christ through the waters of baptism. Jesus presented himself as king on that day. This Palm Sunday, this triumphal entry, just as he had presented himself to his hometown in Nazareth. The question for us this morning is the same question that posed to the crowd in Jerusalem and the same question that posed to those who came to the synagogue in Nazareth. Will you receive the king? This morning, we're going to wrap up our five-week study from Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. We've been working our way and seeing Jesus as he defines his mission statement, reading from Isaiah chapter 61 and pulling a phrase from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. As I've said, Jesus is in his hometown, and, and if you've been following along with us, you'll know that, that Jesus is here in Nazareth after about 10 months to as much as a year of ministry that he had already spent in Judea before coming to Galilee. And here he was. Luke presents him at the very beginning of his time in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. We pick up our story of Jesus' ministry, and, and Jesus comes to Nazareth, and as was his custom, he comes to the synagogue. But what was different on this day was that Jesus would stand and be invited to read And Jesus would read from this scroll given to him from Isaiah, would read this passage, he would sit down, the eyes would be fixed on him, and Jesus would deliver this poignant message. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus stopped short of the rest of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 2, which continues... From pro, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, it goes on, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And the sentence continues into verses 3 and 4 of Isaiah chapter 61. But Jesus had on his mind to welcome and encourage the people in Nazareth to know and to see that the year of the Lord's favor has come. The favor of God is here. Will you receive the favor of God and not experience the judgment that will come on those who reject my favor? But how would God's favor come? What is God's favor after all? How can those of us in this room hearing the testimony of this scripture and the teaching of Jesus, how can we come to a place of knowing and receiving the Lord's favor? What does that look like? Well, there are three things this morning I want to draw our attention to as we, as we look at the favor of God and, and how God's favor would come and what that favor is. First, the Lord's favor would come through preaching. <laughs> Here we go again. Are you guys about burnt out on the proclamation ministry of Christ? It's significant for us this morning as we think about not only the problem that confronts us as sinners, but the solution how the solution would come, how God's favor would come, and it will come through preaching. 
Jesus has emphasized this numerous times already throughout these few statements. To proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus had a ministry of words, as you know. Life-changing, redeeming, powerful words. The words that were coming from God the Father, words that were coming to us to receive. And Jesus himself being the very word of God, presenting the words from the Father. The Apostle John, in his gospel, John 1, verse 1 and 14, draws attention to this very fact. You're familiar with this. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And the word, of course, being Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The ministry of Jesus was a ministry of words, and Jesus came not only to reveal the problems that were ingrained in humanity, the sin, but also to reveal to us the solution that comes only through preaching, the preaching of the life-giving, life-changing words of God. Of course, Jesus needed to help reorient the perspective of those who were listening in Nazareth because when they heard good news to poor people, when they heard liberty to captives and liberty to those who were oppressed and restoring of sight to the blind and the, the proclaiming um, the year of the Lord's favor, what they heard was everything physical and nothing spiritual. They were thinking, of course, of Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. They were thinking of the Abrahamic covenant where God tells Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This was the favor that they were looking for. This was the blessing they wanted. It was everything physical and very little, if anything, spiritual. But Jesus wants the people in Nazareth to know, if you will ever experience the physical blessings, it must come through the pathway of the spiritual. It must come through preaching and teaching. And Jesus, even in our chapter here in Luke chapter 4, will underscore this point, the point of preaching, the significance of preaching the kingdom of God. Notice verse 43. Jesus says to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus came to preach about good news. He came to help the people in Nazareth and people wherever he went throughout Galilee and Judea, not just to fix their eyes on the physical land of promise, the place of Israel, but to set their hopes and sights on heaven, on the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus came to preach about the kingdom of God, which is spiritual in nature. And the point is that you can't have the kingdom without the king. And Jesus came to be the king. He came to present himself as Messiah, as deliverer, as king. And in preaching the kingdom and accrediting this verse to himself, this messianic verse from Isaiah chapter 61, and ascribing it to himself was saying, 
categorically, I am the king. Follow me. Owe your allegiance to me. Obey me. Make me the Lord and Savior of everything so that you as well can enjoy the Lord's favor and you can be part of all that God would have to give you through faith in Jesus Christ. There are two questions that come to us, probably more, but two that I thought of as a result of just this truth. And the first is, is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your king today? Not just somebody that you understand came and died and was buried and rose again. Somebody that you may have uh, invited into your heart at some point in your life, but somebody that you would ascribe to say, no, he is also my king, my Lord, my master, the one who calls the shots in my life, the one whose mission and purpose I serve. He is the one to whom I owe allegiance. Jesus is my king. That's why Jesus came. He came to call attention to the kingdom, but he came to call attention to himself as king. Is Jesus your king? Second question is, have you anchored your confidence in a ministry of words? The ministry of life-changing, abiding, and living word of God. Jesus came to convey the words of God. And, and those of us who would seek to enjoy the Lord's favor must also be those who enjoy the word. The word of God given to us by God captured for us in the scriptures. Several years ago, when I was living in Los Angeles, I would often take trips up uh, to Simi Valley. That's where Grace Community Church is. John MacArthur is the pastor there. And while I was living and attending church locally, where I was living right across the street from LAX, I would, I would make the trip on Sunday evenings quite frequently to go and, and hear Pastor MacArthur preach. And at the end of every message, he would stand in front of the, of the auditorium and he would take questions from people in the congregation and, uh, and he would just stand there and wait till the line was gone. And, uh, and I found myself on at least a couple of occasions just waiting in line and asking him a question that was burning on my heart. I was in a place of crisis, you might say, a crisis of faith. I was conflicted about the, the, the discrepancies that I saw in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 in comparing it with the genealogy in chapter 3. And you might say, well, that was your crisis of faith? Are you kidding? And I went up to, to, to Pastor MacArthur and I said, hey, I, I don't understand what's going on here. Can you help me sort through why is there seem to be discrepancies here? And he says, have you read my commentary? I said, well, I've read your commentary, but I, I don't think you addressed this issue. And he said, well, go and study and pray. And then come back, and maybe we can talk again. So I went. I went home. I went studied. I prayed. And I was dissatisfied with what I found. And I went back several weeks later, stood in line, asked the same question. And he still didn't have any help for me. I was so frustrated. And I thought, do you understand how important this question is to me? I didn't ask him that point blank, but I was thinking that in my heart. But it boils down to this. MacArthur's confidence was in the power of the word. His confidence was in the power of God. As we find in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, we are kept 
by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept by the power of God, not by the power of men. Not by the power of John MacArthur. Not by the power of you because you are not the Savior. There is only one Savior and it is Jesus Christ. And you cannot keep people. You can help and encourage and answer questions, but you cannot keep people. There's only one Savior, and God is quite capable. You can be, they will be kept by the power of God. Trust him and trust the power of the scripture and the power of the words that were given, those life-changing words of God to draw, to keep, to establish, to preserve until the day that Jesus comes. Trust him. The Lord's favor will come through preaching, through proclamation. Have you anchored your heart in confidence in the power of the word of God? We'll find next that the Lord's favor was present. The Lord's favor was present. Notice it says, the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. Now what in the world does this mean? Some have speculated that in speaking about the year of the Lord's favor that that Jesus was actually referring to the year of Jubilee. This year that uh, liberty was proclaimed to captives, where there was a return of property, a canceling of debts, uh, of debts, an allowing of the ground to rest, this rest and liberation that was taking place during this year of Jubilee. But I believe that while there are some similarities, the The point that Jesus was drawing here goes much, much deeper, much more significant than the the year of the Lord. In speaking about the year of the Lord's favor, Jesus was indicating the imminence of the favor that God sought to bring the people. The imminence or the immediacy. (laughs) The time is now. (laughs) This is the moment. It is here. It is present. You can have it. Here I am. The favor of God is present with you. Will you receive it? That's what Jesus was saying. But what is this favor? And what is present now among us? Well, the angels will say, you remember, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Simeon will say, as he holds baby Jesus in his, in his arms, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's present. He's here. He's now. Salvation has come. And if you remember the interaction between the woman at the well and Christ, this issue of imminence was a part of their conversation In John chapter 4, 23, Jesus tells this woman at the well, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper will worship in spirit and truth. The woman, in verse 25, says to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. It's present Messiah's here. The moment has come. The year of the Lord's favor is now. Will you receive this favor by receiving the Lord's Son? 
the audience should have been um, reminded of the parting words of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 to 14. This, this prominent passage, the parting words of Moses, where he says, For this commandment that I have commanded you today is not too hard for you, neither is it hard or far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And Jesus in this moment says, This scripture is fulfilled. The time is here. The moment is now. The, the year of the Lord's favor has come. The word is near you. The Lord's favor would come through preaching. The Lord's favor was present. And we see next the Lord's favor would come through a person. Would come through a person. The year of the Lord's favor. Favor comes from God. That's the point. Favor comes from God. And favor comes through the person of Jesus Christ. This word favor is the word acceptable. And remember that Jesus is reading from Isaiah chapter 61, which is in a whole string of messianic passages coming from the book of Isaiah. In another place, he also uses this word acceptable, which helps to fill out what, what he means by acceptability and who is the favor coming from and where does the, how does the favor happen? Isaiah 49 verse 8 says this, Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, and that's our word, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to, to apportion the desolate heritages. Notice how favor comes. The favor comes from God. I have answered you. I have helped you. I will keep you. And I will give you as a covenant for my people. Well, who is this you? Who is Jesus or who is God referring to? Well, we back up to verses five and six and we see who this person is. He is the person referred to as my servant who is also Messiah. They're one and the same. Favor would come from God through Messiah to his people. Notice, and now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. The servant, this one, Messiah would come from God to his people and he would lead them to salvation. The year of the Lord's favor would come through Messiah, through Christ. Jesus was this one. Favor comes from God. And favor comes through this person, Jesus Christ. And Jesus will say as much as he sits down and assumes the posture of teaching and it says... Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In this moment, the presence of Messiah is here 
in, in uh, present with his people, and Jesus says, I am the one who is fulfilling all of the promises that were given by the Old Testament are fulfilled in me. I am the Messiah. I am the favor of God who has come to you. I am the seed of Abraham. I am the fulfillment of the law. I am the great and better prophet than Moses. I am the great high priest. I am the son of David. I am the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the living word. I am the light of the world. I am the blessing of Abraham. I am Messiah. And I am present. And I am the Lord's favor. Will you receive me? Will you receive and enjoy and experience the year of the Lord's favor that comes through the person of Jesus Christ? Jesus was the favor of God. But finally this morning, the Lord's favor would come by faith. The Lord's favor would come by faith. As we begin to read this passage and remember all that Luke has said from, from chapters one to four, we begin to see that in this work of accounting um, and recording all the things that Jesus had done, the things that were accomplished by him, we begin to see the, the, the work of Luke in trying to convince or help Theophilus see who Jesus was the fulfillment of all that had been promised in the Old Testament. We see the, the themes of the Holy Spirit marking Jesus' conception. Jesus, who is marked by the Holy Spirit, who, who at his baptism, the Spirit comes on Jesus and fills him for ministry. In Luke chapter 4, 1, he is full of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, 14, we find Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. In Luke chapter 4, 18, of course, this is the mission statement, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The evidence of the Spirit's work in confirming the person of Jesus was so clear and so present there in Nazareth. But not only the testimony of the Spirit but also the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God who brought the very words of God. And what is fascinating, as you look at the temptation in Luke chapter 4, verse 4, let me just draw your attention to this briefly to, to help you see that the people in Nazareth were beginning to get this, but instead of accepting the truth, they rejected it. In Luke 4, verse 4, Jesus answered Satan during his temptation, it is written, you shall not live by bread alone, and stops. Those of you who know what the rest of the, the statement is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, will know that you will not live by bread alone, but, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus stops short in verse 4, and Luke completes that phrase at the end in Luke chapter 4, verse 22. Turn with me just there to 422. Notice, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus says, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
The rest of our phrase is right here in verse 22. The people had everything they needed. They had everything they needed to receive Messiah. They had the confirmation of the Holy Spirit, the testimony of the prophets who were bearing witness in the person of Christ. They also had the evidence that Jesus was the Son of God, confirmed by the fact that the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Luke strategically places the genealogy at the end of chapter 3 to help Theophilus understand that Jesus is the Son of God. As you look at towards the end of that, Son of Adam, Son of God. And the running challenge of Satan throughout the temptation that we find throughout the, the narrative is, if you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, two times he challenges the statement, are you really from God? And notice, do they accept this crowd? Do they receive Jesus as Son of God? Notice, chapter 4, verse 22. Is this not Joseph's son? They should have seen it, they should have known. Jesus, Son of God, confirmed by the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit, conveying and preaching the Word of God. But instead of arriving at a conclusion of faith, they arrive at a conclusion of rejection. They choose to reject the truth of Jesus as Messiah and choose rather to see in the physical world rather than seeing in the spiritual one. The lights had not been turned on in their hearts to help them receive the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And Jesus, in picking up this theme of the year of the Lord's favor, will use this word, this word of favor and acceptance when he says of them, in verse 24, no prophet is acceptable or favored in his hometown. Jesus knew it was gonna happen in Nazareth. He knew that while the year of the Lord's favor was present, the people in Nazareth were not going to receive it. They were not going to receive by faith this son, this prophet of God in their hometown. They would reject Jesus in Nazareth. It would be the continuing theme throughout his ministry. And here we come to the triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19, verses 22 to 40, and the theme continues to reverberate. The immediate reception and enthusiasm of the presentation of the king, and yet, at the end of the day, the ultimate test of faith in receiving and accepting results in Jesus being killed. Those crowds that said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, recognizing Jesus' sonship, recognizing Jesus as Messiah, recognizing that the presence of the favor of God had been with them, but then they, they reject that favor by rejecting the son. You see, the favor of God, the Lord's favor only comes through acceptance of the Lord's Son. Have you this morning 
come to a place of accepting and receiving the Lord's Son. Paul will use this same word in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, verses 1 and 2. Working together, he says, with him, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listen to you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Messiah has been presented. The person of Jesus Christ has made himself known through his word, through the testimony of Jesus himself. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And we, like the crowd in Nazareth, and we, like the crowd in Jerusalem, are faced with a crisis, a question, and that is, will you receive the Lord's favor by receiving the Lord's Son? It only comes as you come to terms with the fact that you're a sinner. You recognize in your heart that nothing that you do can ever attain to moral perfection. As Romans chapter 3 says, says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can rise to the glory because we're all not just tainted by sin, immersed in sin. We are desperately wicked. Who can know it? But Jesus, while Jesus in coming would have been worthy of worship, and could have returned back to heaven, Jesus comes to give, not to take, but to give the Lord's favor through his death, through his resurrection, through purchasing redemption for us through the precious blood of Christ. This morning, have you come to a place of recognizing your sin and that Jesus is the only way? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. He is the gift for salvation through faith to everyone who believes. Have you believed in Jesus this morning? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you aligned your heart to the mission that God has set before us in carrying out the objectives that Jesus came to establish in proclaiming good news to the poor? Proclaiming liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We have been commissioned with the same mission. We've been given the same purpose with the same indwelling power. Is your life punctuated by the indwelling strength of the Holy Spirit? And is it directed in a way that is... is pointing people to kingdom purposes and drawing attention to the things that are eternal rather than the things that are physical. May God help us this week, especially as we anticipate the celebration of next week, Easter that's coming. I would encourage you to be here for Good Friday as we think about the death of Christ and then celebrate next Easter Sunday. May God help us to be faithful with the mission that God has called us to. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the presentation of the King. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of David, may the expression of our life be to say, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And may peace reign in our hearts. And may the peace of Christ 
come to those we love as they receive the Lord's favor by receiving the Lord's son. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming. God bless you.